Mud Stories, Episode 72. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. Here's the thing, and if you have a loved one in this place, please understand, they're not going to wake up, as it were, they're not going to get it till they're done. You have to be willing. You have to be at that bottom, you know, that hit bottom where you finally know that you know you you can't go any lower because, wow, this is the lowest you've ever been. There is nowhere else to look but up, and you're ready to look up because at that moment you lift your eyes from that pit, here's God who has been with you the whole time. This was the big aha to me, Jackie, because... I told myself at first when I came to know God that I had run away from him and now had come back to him as if he was in one place and I was running. It took many years for me to understand he had never moved. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest, muddiest moments. Hope to make it through your mud and encouragement for you to know that you are never, ever alone. Hey, you, welcome. Welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. I'm so glad you're with me today. Whatever it is you're doing, preparing for Christmas Day, and maybe you're listening to this after Christmas Day, it is my gift to you. I am so excited to bring to you part two of our conversation with Liz Curtis Higgs. And in this episode, Liz continues to share about her personal mud story. We talk about some bad girls of the Bible, and we also talk about the women of Christmas, including, of course, Mary the mother of Jesus, Elizabeth, uh, who was the mother of John the Baptist, and Anna as well. And so Liz has encouragement to share with us. But before we get to part two, if you missed part one of our conversation with Liz Curtis Higgs, I'd encourage you to go back and listen. That's episode 71. You can get there by going to JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 71 and hear all of Liz's interesting uh, conversation about her writing and her process and her time with God and just a lot of encouragement for our hearts this season. And if you did catch that episode, I'm so glad you're back because I think you're going to be inspired and encouraged no matter what you're doing. I also wanted to tell you that our sponsor again for this show is Audible. And I don't know about you, but I love listening to audiobooks. Uh, I know today I'll be doing cooking and wrapping and just a lot of preparation. Christmas is coming just a few days away. And even into the new year, we can continue celebrating the birth of Christ and the gift that was given to us. And so whatever you're doing, maybe you need something to listen to. And I'd love it if you would take advantage of getting a free audiobook today. All you have to do is go to mudstoriesbook.com and sign up for a free 30-day trial. And when you do that, you get a free audiobook. You can cancel your subscription at any time with no cost to you. And a portion of your subscription 
goes back to the Mud Stories podcast to help support the work that we're doing here to encourage others. And so I would so appreciate your support and I would love for you to enjoy a free audiobook, especially one of Liz's books. You know, maybe listening to a fiction audiobook would be just what your heart needs for this season. So I hope you'll take advantage of that. Liz is the author of more than 30 books with over 4 million copies in print. Just amazing. She has written a series that's a best-selling series called Bad Girls of the Bible. She has also written a book about the women of Christmas. And she's also the author of historical fiction novels and children's books. And we're going to talk more about all of those with her at the end of this show. So Liz is also a speaker. She's encouraging, down-to-earth, profoundly fun and so passionate at helping us seek and embrace the truth of God's amazing, unchanging grace. She lives in Kentucky with her grown children in the same town. What a gift, right? And has two twin tabby cats named Samson and Boaz that teach her about God. And Liz is back to share more of her story. So you're going to be so blessed. I I just know that... um, Sitting down and talking to Liz just made me not feel alone, and I'm hoping it makes you not feel alone. Liz is someone who has really been through mud, and if you think that your mud is bad, if you think what you're facing is impossible, uh, I dare you not to be encouraged by Liz's story and her words and what she's chosen to do with God's amazing gift of grace. Because, you know, a lot of times we can look at our circumstances and we can get discouraged. We can choose devastation. We can choose depression. We can choose grief. We can choose a woe is me attitude. But that is so self-defeating. And I think so many times we do ourselves a disservice uh, not accepting the goodness and grace God wants to give to us even in the middle of our mud. You know, Liz talks about how, you know, if you have someone that you love, or maybe it's you today, that is just still continuing to struggle through the mud that they're facing, there's really nothing we can do until they get to the bottom of where they are and they're willing to look up. And I challenge you today, if you're facing something that seems insurmountable, if you're facing something that you think you could never, ever get through and you can't see the way out, I want you to know today there's hope. There's hope in God. There's hope in the gift of Jesus that was sent to us that we celebrate this Advent season, the light of the world, the hope of the world. He has come for you and for me, and he's made a way. And there is hope for us, no matter the muddiness that we see around us, no matter how cold our mud pit feels, no matter how dark and desperate it is, the light of Christ shines in the darkness And there is nothing that can overcome that. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. And so I want you to know today, Liz and I are here to help encourage you. Maybe this week after Christmas is maybe the hardest week of your entire year. And I want you to know um, you're not alone. You're just not alone. I'm praying for you, and I'm with you. And I cannot be more thankful for the example that Liz gives each and every one of us who are facing or have faced or will face mud. And so here is part two of our conversation with Liz Curtis Higgs. Enjoy. 
And so here you are working at a radio station and you have been living this life by 20 where you're hanging out at bars. You've made friends with uh, alcohol and drugs. And I think you described on your site that your marijuana love affair began at the freedom base of the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> I mean, you know, these yeah. you can't make this up, you know, no, you and um, and even Howard Stern, there's a history there about uh, Liz, you really need to get your act together kind of thing. And this is where you're bringing us to this point where you're intersecting with this couple. Give them a little more uh, background on on uh, how profound it was that their love compelled you, that you couldn't resist it. Well, this is what we all want. We all want to feel safe and we all want to feel loved. And um, I felt very unsafe because of the life I had chosen, dragging a different guy home every night, waking up in motel rooms where the person I had spent the night with is already checked out. And I have no idea where I am, what his name was, how I got there. You know, this is some scary stuff. Yeah. This is frightening. Well, and you even write in some of your fiction, The Bad Girls of the Bible, the intro has yes. that little segment mm-hmm. there, just so poignant and powerful, how that yeah. feels, you know. So I think there's people right. who can relate. So, yeah. Yep. So, you know, so that it was, it was bad. Mm-hmm. And yet you sort of tell yourself, I can change this, I can figure this out. I'm doing this because I enjoy it. I remember very specifically sending a letter to a friend of mine who had been a bad girl with me out of high school, and she had come to know Christ and was a missionary. So, you know, she was way on the other side of things, as it were, spiritually. And I remember writing her a letter and saying, do not feel sorry for me. I love my life. Mm. And that's because I was so blinded and had convinced myself this was the fun way to live, that my poor missionary friend had such a boring life and that mine was exciting, you know, and now (laughs) sort of like a self-protective mechanism of justifying, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, don't feel sorry for me. Honest to Pete, I'm sure she was on. In fact, I know she was on her knees begging me to wake up. But here's the thing. And if you have a loved one in this place, mm-hmm. please understand, they're not going to wake up as it were. They're not going to get it till they're done. Yeah. You have to be willing. You have to be at that bottom, you know, that hit bottom mm-hmm. where you finally know that, you know, you, you can't go any lower because, wow, this is the lowest you've ever been. There is nowhere else to look but up, and you're ready to look up. Because at that moment you lift your eyes from that pit, here's God who has been with you the whole time. Mm-hmm. This was the big aha to me, Jackie, because I told myself at first when I came to know God that I had run away from him and now had come back to him as if he was in one place and I was running. Mm. It took many years for me to understand He had never moved. Hmm. His foot was firmly planted Mm -hmm. on the hem of my ragged jeans. So I'm running in place. I think I'm running from God and literally away from him. But he he was with me through all the mud. Yeah. And when you come to that, that is overwhelming. It's like, Lord, then you were there and saw this Mm -hmm. and you saw that. You saw me do this. You heard me say that. I mean. There are things I will never, ever speak from the platform or put in any book or share with my husband 
that were so debased, so evil, it would do no good to ever go down that road and share it with the soul. It would put a picture in their mind that would not be um, edifying or uplifting. And yet it was not a surprise to God before you were born. He knew. Nope. It's not like he's up there making a plan B for Liz because she made some bad decisions, you know, he knew and he had worked it all for good already for your good. He did. He knew exactly how it was all going to unfold. So for me, when I celebrated um, 30 years of knowing him a couple of years ago, and I thought to myself 30 years ago, if you had said to me, hey, Liz, you know what you're going to be doing in 30 years? You're going to be preaching the gospel. You're going to be sharing a story about how God redeemed you. You're going to be teaching the Bible. You know, I would have been like, right, that would ever happen. (laughs) And isn't that fun? Isn't that? I mm, I think of the story of Ruth. One of my favorite, favorite studies that I've had the joy of writing is about Ruth. She is, think about this, you know, gleaning in the fields. Mm-hmm. Here comes the owner, Boaz, a Christ figure, as it were, in the Old Testament. He comes and she is at her feet, hands in the dirt, saying, how is it? How is it that you have been so kind to me? This woman cannot imagine that within six weeks, because she's going to glean the barley and the wheat, and each one was about three weeks. Right. Six weeks from now, she will be marrying this man, and this ground that she's kneeling on and gleaning from will be hers by being his wife. Right. I mean, think about that. She could not have possibly imagined. And so that's where we are today. We have no idea what God has in store for us in the next week, in the next month, I love living with that kind of anticipation of what God might do next. In fact, the Jews believe it's the perfect story of a redemption, of showing a conversion, because this woman, of course, was a heathen. She was a a worshiper of Molech. And so for this woman to have this unbelievable experience, it was a a picture. She's a real person, of course. It's not a story in the sense of being made up. It is so real. Uh, Boaz is so real. Naomi so real. What I love to think about with Ruth is that if her, uh, with her, of course, she, her first mother-in-law was there, but if her second mother-in-law had still been living, <laughs> her mother-in-law would have been Rahab, the former prostitute. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Well, and it it takes me to the genealogy in Matthew. You know, a lot of people are bored by genealogies. For me, a girl, I know a girl who uh, God rescued from the mud of my own choices. I, uh, well, first of all, let me just say, I love how your story led you to investigating and writing for us about women in the Bible, because, you know, many people are intimidated by the Bible and uh, it's confusing sometimes how to understand it. But you write um, about women in the Bible and unpack their stories and the significance we can apply to our lives. And Ruth is one of those women, right? Um, But in the genealogy in Matthew, and as we approach Christmas, uh, there are women mentioned there. 
And, you know, you just mentioned Rahab is one of them. Um, Bathsheba, for me, coming out of my affair and marrying the person I had an affair with, now we've been married 15 years, four children, and God um, is so faithful to redeem even that choice. Bathsheba, for me, was someone who gave me hope because, um, you know, her first son with David died, um, and they grieved that, but the next one, you know, uh, lineage of Christ. And I, uh, I know you've written about her and many other bad girls. I'd love if you'd just share a little bit about what you learned about Bathsheba and then maybe some of the Christmas girls, if we can hit them because it is Christmas, Liz. We, yes. Time with you is going so fast. I just, I could talk to you all day. And we could arrange that. That would be my joy. <laughs> I might need to come to Kentucky and see the rolling hills. Oh, yes, and the white fences. You sounds come beautiful. Horses. We're all here. I know. Well, I do love to write about women of the Bible. In fact, my most recent book was my 30th woman to write about. Sheba. Of course, the Queen of Sheba meets with Solomon, who was the second child of David and Bathsheba. Right. Whom God called Jedediah loved by God. Mm. So amazing, isn't it? Amazing. But um, yeah, I love all the bad girls, the really bad girls and the slightly bad girls. <laughs> Which are all titles of your books, by the way. Yes, if if anyone are. is feeling bad today, they need to read about the awesome bad girls of the Bible, yes. right? Oh, they do give us hope. They do. You know, some of them, some of them never are redeemed. Jezebel has mm-hmm. no happy ending. Um, Delilah doesn't get a happy ending. Mm-hmm. But but Bathsheba gets a happy ending. Now, she ended up in really bad girls of the Bible, which seems a little <laughs> unfair. Um, the truth, just so you know the inside skinny on this. Yes, please. I was going to write about 20 women for bad girls of the Bible. When I got the first 10 done, my publisher said, oh, my goodness, that is a book. You better quit right there. <laughs> and I said, but I've got all these other women I can't wait to write about. And they said, well, if anybody buys the first book, we'll let you write about some more. And so um, what I think the second group, the really bad girls, some of them are horrible. Athaliah <laughs> killed all her grandchildren. Oh, my. Oh, I know. <sighs> but Bathsheba probably ended up in that second book because it, she almost comes rather than really bad girl, really difficult mm. story mm-hmm. because we aren't quite sure about that story. We know she was bathing on the top of her roof, which mm-hmm. people did all the time. She was not a show-off up there. She was not an exhibitionist. She was just getting clean. Right. No, it was David walking on mm-hmm. his roof who saw her from his higher roof, he's in the palace, to hers, and noticed how beautiful she was, which is kind of amazing. He was about 50 years old at the time, so his vision was far better than mine at 50, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he saw quite enough and told his men to go and get her. Now, this is a man who already had wives. He did not need another woman. He certainly didn't need his neighbor's wife. Mm-hmm. Uriah was fighting on the battlefield for David while David stayed home from war. So Bathsheba comes to the house, to the palace. And of course she would. If the king summons you, you come. Right. The question, of course, is what happened next? We know what they did but we don't know what they said. Mm -hmm. Bathsheba doesn't speak until she says, I am pregnant. And so we have no idea whether she was excited about the idea because he was king and a poet and a warrior and amazing 
handsome, all those things. Mm-hmm. Or whether she was, um, I don't even know how to say it gracefully, whether she was raped. Whether yeah, violated. Yeah. Yes, violated. Much, yeah. much more gentle word, I guess. But the, what happens is still the same. Yes, way. yes. And so um, we know that it was sin. He knew it was sin. And so, you, you know, it, it's a sad story. These are two people that loved and served God who ended up in an adulterous situation. So what does God do? It's really not a story about, honestly, either one of them. It's what does God do with good people who make a wrong choice? And what he does is he restores them. Psalm 51 is my go-to psalm whenever I have been made aware of some new sin in my life, some new stumbling block. Yes. Um, And how faithful is God when we come to him as David did and confessed his sin. Um, And so he is forgiven. And so we know, of course, Bathsheba is forgiven as well. And God does bless their union, their proper union as husband and wife, um, just as he blessed yours, Jackie, Mm. with those four children. You just never have to wonder, am I forgiven? Has God redeemed? Absolutely. And he showed you again and again and again and Mm -hmm. again. It just took me so, so long to believe it, Miss Liz, you know, and I, <laughs> I think we, right. we trip ourselves up. I'm sure you can relate, you know, the yeah. shame, the guilt. Um, and when we make bad choices, it's not God who, whose grace isn't enough. It's us who are, who become poor recipients of his grace because we trip over our own selves and forgiveness of our own hearts. And that's not the heart of Christ. He wants us to just receive the gift and be covered by him. So right. just yeah, beautiful. Romans 8, 1 is your hang on. Mm-hmm. There is There's therefore, therefore no, no, no condemnation. condemnation. That's right. I memorized with town. you girls that year. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, so I totally get that. It takes us many years. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm still working through old stuff, mud stuff, that will sort of splatter on me now and again. And I see it and go, oh, wow, I forgot about that. Gosh, that is so ugly. And so I have to hold it up to the Lord and say, again, did you forgive this too? And he washes it clean. That's, That's what he right. does. He washes away that mud. And just like that mud bath that a woman gets when you wash away the mud and the skin looks better. <laughs> That's right. When you're washed clean by God, it looks better. It's, it, there's not even a stain, not even a faint tracing. That mud is gone for good. But it is an ongoing process. And we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And, mm-hmm. and God is ever about it. He's ever cleaning, scrubbing you would think he'd get so tired of it. Mm-hmm. But it's his favorite thing to do. Just like a mom is happy to wash her baby day after day after day. She doesn't expect to do it once and be done. She knows this is going to be a daily cleansing thing. Um, but that, you know, that was certainly the case for Bathsheba. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Liz, we can't conclude our December time together without you teaching us or talking to us a little encouragement about our Christmas girls. You've written a whole oh. book about this, and I'd love it if you could merge with it your concept of embracing grace, because mm-hmm. I know that's a devotional and a talk that you give to, and 
you know, it's we've been talking about this. Embracing grace is sometimes hard, and yet there's enough, always enough water to wash our mud. And um, the Christmas girls knew that well as well. Um, What encouragement can they bring us in this season approaching Christmas? Yeah, The Women of Christmas, that book was so life-changing for me because it's a story we think we know backwards and forwards. And it's there's always that danger when you're in church and they start reading the Christmas story. It's so familiar that you're half there and half making a grocery list in your head. Yes. And uh, and so for me, it was just really thrilling to break it down. And anybody who's done a Bible study with me, honey, I don't just break it down verse by verse. <laughs> it's more like phrase by phrase. And sometimes it's word by word. Right. Because I don't want to miss the richness, the yeah. juice yeah. that's in the word of God. And so um, and we always think of Mary, of course. But the story really begins with Elizabeth right. and Zechariah. And I kind of knew about their story, but oh my goodness, we have an angel show up. So the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah um, even before he shows up and talks to, to Mary, even before an unnamed angel speaks to Joseph in a dream. But first, Zechariah hears from an angel standing in the holy place in front of the altar of incense, his once-in-a-lifetime gig as a priest you know they drew lots right it's his turn he probably would never get to do it again mm-hmm. and in there he hears from an angel who says your wife elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call him john and unfortunately instead mm. of saying yay thank you <laughs> poor zachariah yeah poor zachariah how, how can i be sure of this Oh, golly, that's doubt talking, and we all get it. Mm-hmm. We read things in the Word, and we say, oh, yeah, but how can I be sure that's what's really going to happen? Lord, I see this promise in your Word. I see it written out there, but I bet it's not really for me. Mm-hmm. That's where Zechariah was. We get it, a place mm-hmm. of doubt. Now, <laughs> the angel then says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I think at that point I would just faint. <laughs> But um, he says, so because of what you have said, uh, you will not be able to speak, uh, and some also believe, or hear, for, uh, until this comes to fruition, until your wife, in other words, bears a son. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. So mm-hmm. he knows he's going to be without speech for nine months. Of course, I'm thinking for Elizabeth, how exciting would that be? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, any men listening, I did not mean that. It was not meant that way at all. But. You know, amazing. um, You won't speak. And what it appears to be is a punishment. But that is not at all how I see it. I believe he was showing, the Lord was showing Zechariah, here's how powerful I am. I can take away your voice just like that. Mm. Don't you think I can have a baby in your wife's womb? Of course, Zechariah is part of it. This is not an immaculate conception. Right. He is part of it. He does father this child. But after all these years of marriage and barrenness on her part, Mm. suddenly she's barren no more Mm -hmm. because of God. So we see a miracle and a, a move of a woman from barrenness to fruitfulness as the start of the Christmas story. It's mm. God saying, let me just show you what I could do here. Wow. So, of course, when we meet Mary, 
God says, oh, and I can do even more than that. In this case, we're working with a young woman who's never known a man who is super young, 12 and a half years old. Really? Wow. Yes, I know. But women were betrothed as soon as they were able to conceive. That's how it worked. Mm. Because to protect them and to protect some child that they might bear and make sure it had a father, a young woman was betrothed and they would wait a year and make sure she was, in fact, going to be, you know, a good mother, mm-hmm. a good, you know, healthy mother, be able to have children. And then they married. So 12 and a half, roughly, for, for our Mary. Shocking to think mm. of such a young girl, so innocent. And God says, all right, I'm going to send Gabriel to you. And he's going to sort of have the same message, except that there won't be a husband involved here. It will be the Holy Spirit. And he will hover over you. And unlike Zechariah, who says, um, how can I be sure of this? Mary simply wants to know um, how, how exactly? And that's when God says, it'll, it'll be the Holy Spirit and he'll hover over you. Mm. And I would now have a thousand questions. Right. You know, and that's not how it works. Uh, she says, be it done unto me. Mm. Be it done unto me, the handmaid of the Lord. Oh, my word. Such faith. Such faith. Wow. So, yeah, Mary, amazing. And then our third woman of Christmas is Anna. I love Anna's story because she's older, actually much older than me. She is 84 years old. The Bible is so specific. Dr. Luke tells us she is 84. (laughs) That specific Dr. Luke. Love him. I know. Don't you love that little scientific part? Um, She's 84. She married As a young woman, only was married for seven years. She's been a widow ever since. She spent all her time at the temple praying and fasting before God. Mm. Wow. Wow. So already I'm going there. This woman and I have nothing in common. (laughs) I just can't imagine that level of devotion. Well, in that age, she's still got it. I mean, talk about your if gathering stone of still, right? She's still got it. Yeah. She definitely still had it. She had it at a way deeper level than most of us have it, which also gives us hope, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. And and she is the one who, when the baby Jesus is brought at the 40-day mark into the temple for Mary to be cleansed, as it were, and for the child to be presented to the Lord, which I just love the idea of the Lord being presented to the Lord, (laughs) Um, you know, like God looking in a mirror. True, yeah. Yeah. And Anna's the one who proclaims, Simeon is excited to see the baby, but Anna's the one who tells everybody who is longing for his appearance, the Messiah has come. Hmm. So God uses three different women in pivotal ways in this story. A middle-aged woman, a very young girl, and an elderly woman. Hmm. A woman who was barren, a girl who had not yet even been with a man, and a woman who lost her man many, many years ago. It's interesting to me, and I don't want anybody to take offense at this. I just can't help but notice. In the story, these three women, Zechariah cannot speak. <laughs> Joseph never speaks. We have no recorded words from Joseph. Right. And we have no husband at all on the scene for Anna. Mm-hmm. I just think God wanted to say to women, who many of us feel like we've carried the curse since Eve, mm-hmm. to say, I Love women, my creation, and let me just show you what I can do in the hearts and lives 
of ordinary women. So mm, beautiful. They're amazing. They're amazing women. Beautiful. And I love the pieces that you um, highlighted and the concepts of the history of it, because Elizabeth being barren, so many, you know, right now struggle with infertility and longing to be a mom and just the, the grief that is there. And yet God's perfect timing, you know, bringing John to be leading the way for Jesus. And, you know, when we're heartbroken, God has a way even still and to really trust that his timing will be perfect for us. And, uh, and then, you know, the whole thing with Mary and wed, you know, Joseph could have had her stoned, right? Yes, he could have. Absolutely. I mean, and, and all of the, that scandal, you know, so many of us live through hardship that isn't even our doing. We just find ourselves in some mud that happens to us. And, um, and Anna's still strong in her faith. So, uh, I love that you wrote that, and and I hope that if anybody needs encouragement this Advent season, uh, you know, approaching Christmas, that they would, they would read more of of detail about those girls from Christmas because uh, you've unpacked it so beautifully for us, always so beautiful. Well, it was a joy to do, and like I said, it was it was a surprise for me. I knew I wanted to write about them. I felt called to do that. But always when we step out in obedience to what God says do, he has some surprise for us. And you get in the middle of it and go, okay, so I'm writing this book for my sisters in Christ, but I just learned something exciting and knew that if I'd not stepped into this project, never would have happened. And so I know God doesn't giggle. Nowhere does it say in the scripture that he giggles. It does say he laughs. But I, I sometimes sense this huge smile. Oh, look at that. She figured it out. <laughs> yeah. You know, he like, he just reveals himself. He just pulls the curtain back just a little for you to say, oh, it's a moment. It's a lot of moments like that, that make a walk of faith mm-hmm. such joy. Well, and always something that we can learn when we go to scripture and dig deep. And you uh, do a lot of that work for us and share what you find. And it encourages encourages us so much from not only your nonfiction series, but your, your fiction, you know, fiction meets people in different ways. Some people are just fiction people, you know, they, they're going to get something from a fiction story, you know, that a nonfiction book wouldn't have for them. And, um, you even have children's resources. I'd love it if you would just tell everybody where we can find you online, share with them, you know, I want to give you permission to share with them because I know I'm thinking that you might feel apprehensive to say, well, I have these books and these books and these books. (laughs) But the thing is, there's so much richness as we've talked about Ruth and Bathsheba and these three Christmas girls. I know there are so many, you, you just said 30, 30 bad girls that you've written about or 30 women of the Bible that you've written about. 30 women of the Bible. 31 with the Bible. Right. And, uh, you know, they each are filled with chapters you've you've shared about them. And so and with little fiction pieces before. And so um, will you please share with us where they can find you online and take us through the resources that you have? And um, and then I'll we'll wrap it up right after that. 
Well, you do know me well, Jackie, because it is hard for me to say, hey, I I've know. got this and I've got that. But I want you to. <laughs> I want you to because I'm a latecomer to your work. I've only read a couple of your things and I have many of them on my list, you know. And um, I just know when we face mud, people who, who you know, are part of our community here at Mud Stories, we've faced some hard things. And um, the Bible is not without hope. It doesn't have to be this this book that's so thick that is you know hard to approach and we can't relate you in your work so beautifully unpack that for us and I would hate for someone to go away today not being exposed to that resource for them to have hope where they are well sure and so here are the places I love to connect I'm on Facebook every day with an encouraging scripture and encouraging word Nine o'clock in the morning, I throw those up there and okay. just on Facebook, look for Liz Curtis Higgs. Okay. Three names, no hyphen, Liz Curtis Higgs. I tweet a lot and love, you know, I just, it's a great place to suddenly connect with people. Yes. People pop up and it's, I love it. My website is LizCurtisHiggs.com. I've got a Bible study on there that's rolling all the time. You can sign up for and uh, another great place to connect. That's where to send me an email, that kind of thing. Um, I am theoretically on Instagram. <laughs> it took me three years to post my first picture. And when I put it up, I said, this has taken three years. I'll see you again in 2018. So um, I, I just forget. I'm yeah. so busy on, on Facebook. Well, we can't be everywhere. I, yeah. I promise to be better in 2016 on Instagram, and I definitely am on Pinterest. I have a Pinterest board for every bad girl. So fun. It's oh. like, what would Sapphira wear and dress, and how would she live, and what car would she drive if she lived today? I had way too much fun doing that. Oh, I have to so, go over there and check that out. I haven't seen that. So, yeah, it's Pinterest.com, then forward slash Liz Curtis Higgs. Okay. The pattern here. Yes. You're making um, it easy yeah. for us. Thank you. I like to make it easy. And so I have been writing and been published for a long time now. Mm-hmm. 32 books. God is most gracious. Actually, the 33rd just came out. Um, most recent ones that I would love for you to look at. The one on Ruth is called The Girl Still Got It. <laughs> walk with Ruth and the God who rocked your world. Oh. The one on the Queen of Sheba is called It's Good to Be Queen. Yes. Becoming as bold, gracious, and wise as the Queen of Sheba. Um, the Women of Christmas, uh, as you kindly mentioned, is a, a, a favorite this time of the year. Mm-hmm. Bad girls, really bad girls, and slightly bad girls of the Bible are all still out there. God is continuing to use them because he's kind. Yes. Embrace Grace is the book of my heart. Mm. I have told my publisher, if everything else goes out of print, this is the most important book to my heart. Not the biggest seller, just the most important because it's everything, Jackie, I would say to a friend, a a sister who is sinking in the mud or is standing there forgiven and somehow doesn't see that about herself. Mm. She sees the mud instead of the washed clean. Right. And so Embrace Grace, little book big heart on that one. Mm. Um, My fiction, Scottish historical fiction, um, dive into Thorn in My Heart, if there are many of the novels, but that's the first one. And and so you want to start at the beginning. You know how it is with series. Okay. That's what I was going to ask you. Tell tell us if they're all a series or if some of them are. Help us unpack that. Sure. There's two series. Okay. One is based on the story of Jacob 
Leah and Rachel set in 18th century Scotland. So I did all the biblical research and then mm. all the Scottish research. It took about eight years of research to like wow, start the book. Liz. Yeah. I know, it's crazy. And I wrote 15 other books in the middle. You must have to have post-its or postcards or note cards or like, I don't know what your system is, but that must be elaborate. Wow. It is elaborate. It's crazy, actually. It's all on the computer Mm -hmm. and some of it's in my head, but it falls out every day. Um, (laughs) Okay, so that's... Yeah, so Thorn in My Heart, Fair is the Rose, Whence Came a Prince, and Grace in Thine Eyes. That is the Lowland series that's set in the 18th century. And then there are two books that's unusual for a series. You can't even call it a series. It's a duo okay. um, of the stories of Naomi and Ruth set in also 18th century Scotland, but in Edinburgh and the borders. And that's called um, Here Burns My Candle and Mine is the Night. Okay. And so, um, so there's four in one, two in another. Um, if you want a Christmas story, I wrote a sweet one set in Victorian Scotland called A Wreath of Snow. I love Christmas novellas. I probably have a dozen of them, and I'll get them out very shortly and put them all around the house like decoration. But I love, you know, they take, what, two hours, maybe three hours. So in an evening, instead of watching something on TV, uh, I just curl up with a little novella and go off to another time and place. And that's what A Wreath of Snow is about. Um, And then for children's books... I'm excited that this year all four of my parable books are in one book now called Parable Treasury up for up to age seven. And you okay. Know yes. At seven, eight years old, right in there, they start reading chapter books and they are so done with picture books. Oh. But if you've got kids, grandkids in your life up to including age seven, the Parable Treasury is a beauty and it's cheap. Publisher. Good. How did you do this book for $14.99? And you can find it on Amazon for like 10 Wow. Huge children's book, beautiful padded cover. It's just the bomb. So um, that's the newest stuff we've got. Because those were originally separate books back in late yes. 90s, right? Yes, ma'am. Yep. There were four of them. This is kind of the 20th anniversary edition. They finally mm. put them all together. So what a beautiful gift that would make. Yeah. And actually, my kids, my youngest four, my oldest one's 20, but my, my youngest four, they still love picture books. Instead, you know, we've been pulling out Anne's um, Unwrapping the Greatest Gift, and yep. they just can't wait to see the pictures. So yes. I think, Liz, I think kids older than seven would actually like it. And there might be stuff in there for, for adults, too, because look at Sally Lloyd-Jones and her Jesus yeah. Storybook Bible. I mean, some yeah. of us just need the simplicity. Oh, yes. Well, a, a, a children's book is amazing because it isn't just read by the child once, which is what you'd have for a typical adult book. It is read by that kid on the way home from the store. They've already got it out of the bag. They're right. looking at it. Yes. Then mom's going to, mom and dad will read it. Grandparents read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, bookstore people read it. Librarians read it. Babysitters read it. So, the child hears the message again and again, but more to the point, the adult hears that simple message over and over. Mm, beautiful. Well, Liz, how can we pray for you in this coming year, what your next projects Ooh. are going to be? How can we support you in prayer? So excited. Next up is the women of Easter. And so just like we looked at Elizabeth and Mary and Anna, we're going to look at Mary, Mary, and Mary. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Mary of Bethany, Mary of Nazareth, the mother of Jesus, of course, and Mary Magdalene. And so, so excited. 
about how God used those three women in that incredible redemption story. And so that's next. And then my next fiction, so excited to return in my heart to Scotland. Um, So those are our two big writing projects for 2016. I'm also speaking in 26 different places through the year on the weekends. (sighs) And so um, big year, um, but they've all been, they've all been full. And I'm so grateful to a God who always has something next for us. Mm -hmm. He has a next thing. We may not know what it is. And I think I know what it is. You know, like I'm looking at my calendar going, yep, I know right where I'm going to be in January and February and March. Yes. God says, really? (laughs) You know what you have in your calendar, Liz. (laughs) You don't don't know what I have for you. And so. Ta-da. You're going to be wherever. Ta-da. We stand on tiptoe. Oh, those go in our mirrors, right? They do. They're on my website, too. You can find them on there. Uh, under the books, you'll see ta-da cards, and you'll go, the what? <laughs> but, but they're there to encourage. Oh. Um, as I said, I've been at this a while and hoping to always provide resources that are encouraging, biblically centered, always, always, always. Mm. The word says that his word will never pass away. We know our words will, all of them. All the words I've spoken to you today, all the words I've put in my books, they'll all pass away. But his word is forever. So forever. I include a lot of his word in everything I do. Oh, Liz, what a gift to talk to you, to hear your heart, to have you share your stories. And, um, you know, I know we're both agreeing together that whoever hears our conversation today will uh, be encouraged and pointed toward Jesus in the process. So thank you so much for your generous gift of time today and for sharing with us. And uh, we are going to be praying for you as you uh, move forward in the next step of whatever God's calling you to do as you do your work and serve each and every one of us. So thank you so much for all for saying yes to the Lord. <laughs> I would never say no. <laughs> well, have a beautiful week. We love you. Okay, cutie. Take care. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye now. Well, that's a wrap for 2015, episode 72, our very last episode of this year. And I am looking forward to bringing you so much more in 2016. And if you want to know any of the links mentioned in this episode or Uh, links to any of Liz's books, her website, her Tada cards, all of the things we talked about. You can find them all at JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 72, and it will all be there for you. It would be the greatest gift to me if you would head over to iTunes and subscribe to this show. You just go to iTunes and search for Mud Stories and hit the subscribe button. If you want to leave a rating or review, that would bless me too. I love reading your comments and your reviews, and it encourages me to keep going and keep bringing you these Mud Stories that are, I'm hoping, inspiring and encouraging you. And so if you also want to subscribe to get updates for the show, you can text the word subscribe mud stories to the number 33444 and follow the directions there and we'll get the post directly to your email inbox for free just by texting that to me and I would be more than delighted to send that to you. Sincerely from me to you, I 
have loved serving you this year of 2015. I am looking so forward to 2016, spending each and every week with you here at Mud Stories. I hope you'll come back and join me. I hope you'll share it with a friend. And let's just gather together every single week and celebrate what God does in and through the hard things in our life, in and through our mud. And so I am wishing you a very Merry Christmas, a wonderful New Year, and I can't wait to meet you here next week. So no matter what you're facing today, no matter where you've been or what will be lying ahead for you, may you find today and every day a grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful, beautiful week. Never in you ever feels a press upon my mind A pull of shame that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. I never in you mother feels a press upon my that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul as you Hey you, you're still here, you're still with me, you listened to the entire song. Thank you so much. 
for still being here, for listening each and every week. I think you are my faithful people, and I cannot be more thankful for you. And because of that, I wanted to give you a secret special heads up of what's coming for the first episode of 2016. I have Marla Silly joining me. She's otherwise known as the Fly Lady. She loves Jesus, and she loves organization, but it hasn't always been so. She had messes, not only in her environment, in her house, but in her heart. And she's going to share with me and you all about that. And I can't wait for you to hear our conversation together. I think you're going to love her. I really do. And so would you do me a favor? Would you let me know that you listened to this all the way to the end? I'd love to get a message from you. Send me an email, Jackie at JackieWatkins.com. Tell me your name, where you're from, maybe something about yourself and tell me who you want me to have on the show. Who do you want me to interview? Whose mud do you need to hear? I would love to hear from you. It would be like a special gift. Anyway, you got the inside scoop because you listened to the end. I'm sending so much love to you today. Thank you so much. I wish I could hug you in person. Merry Christmas.